0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: This is hour two of Fantasy Sports today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia back with you. We've got a lot to cover, including Thursday night props, trust or bust, and a little bit of baseball as the show starts now.
0: Sports Today.
1: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia with you here on the show at Joe Pizapia 17 at Craig Mish. That's how you get us here on the program. Let's kind of dive into a little bit of baseball discussion here as we start, because we got football the rest of the way. A lot happened yesterday, Joe. uh, And like I said, it it has been, you know, last year they they called it the cold stove, which was accurate. Nothing happened until February. Like I, I went to Orlando two years ago for the winter meetings. I went last year to Las Vegas for the winter meetings, and it was great to see everyone. And that was where it started and where it ended, because nothing happened. <laughs> it was all rumors. I remember last year on MOB Network, poor Harold Reynolds and Matt Viscurgeon
2: sat there on that hot stove show for three hours every morning. And had nothing to talk about. They had to come up up with. There's nothing. They had to make up segments all day, like they were playing games. At a certain point, I think they were just playing, like they were just playing Yahtzee. It was just, it was hysterical. Like they had, was like I don't know what to do, folks. We're just here on a hot soap show, and nothing's happening.
1: No, insane. It was, and 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 I went because it was Vegas, but, but the and the year. So I went because last year was Vegas. I figured, oh, that's got to be fun, and it was. And then the year before, it was in Orlando. So I'm like, oh, I just drive three hours, and it's easy. And then this year, San Diego came up, and specifically to kind of take you behind the curtain a little bit obviously we're doing work here for FNTSY so we came up with that idea also and then in addition to that I cover the Marlins and then the Marlins are kind of claiming that they're going to be doing some things too so it did make some sense and um and I'll be headed out there Sunday so I'll be uh, broadcasting Monday Tuesday and Wednesday from there but let's start off with the things that had uh, that happened yesterday early in the day we got the news that Cole Hamels who said afterward he wanted to play for a contender decided on the Atlanta Braves now I do think that this is a smart move for the Braves because investing a lot of money in a pitcher, while it may be smart, they have a fantastic farm system with a lot of young arms that are coming and coming soon. But they needed someone, Joe, to front the rotation. They could have easily gone right back to Dallas Keuchel. But Keuchel, as you know, wasn't really that great when he went to Atlanta last year. Uh, He was okay, but wasn't great. Uh, Cole Hamels, of course, a uh, World Series MVP, if I'm not mistaken, with Philadelphia, won a World Series there, moved on to Texas, ended last year with the Cubs. You think Hamels is the right guy to front this rotation? I, the, the some of the reports from Atlanta are saying that it certainly doesn't take them out of the conversation with with some of the other bigger pitchers. I, I can tell you, I, I believe it does. I think this is it. I think Cole Hamels is going to front this thing. You're going to see Max Fried. You're going to see Kyle Wright. You're going to see Ian Anderson. It is going to be a younger rotation, but they had to have a vet at the top. You think that this was the right one?
2: Well, I think it's a it's a good answer to that question. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to front the rotation. I think Soroka fronts that rotation still. But he is that guy, the go-to guy for the younger guys to learn from. And I could see that working for him. Um, Cole Hamels has, has been a, a very good pitcher for a long time. And, you know, recently the splits have been a little wacky. The funny thing is if, you know, when you see this happen, you immediately go, oh, wow, well, you get him out of Wrigley Field. That's a positive, but it's not. If you go back and you look at the splits on Cole Hamels, he actually had a 2.78 ERA with a 1.9 whip over in Chicago last year. Outside Chicago on the road, 506 ERA, 162 whip. Totally different pitcher. Now, granted, we talked about the defense of the Atlanta Braves yesterday being very good defensive team, you know, having Albies and then Ciarte and Acuna, very good defensive team, Freddie Freeman. So that's a big positive, but I think he's definitely a presence you bring in. I think this tells you they're out of the Strasburg, Garrett Cole sweepstakes, and Wheeler, they knew Wheeler wasn't coming there or they didn't want to make that investment in Wheeler because, like you said, they have these young pitchers coming. So I think what this does tell you is they also still have enough young pitching and enough in that farm system to go make a move at the deadline. This might be the place where Corey Kluber lands or Carlos Carrasco lands or somebody like that. I think the Braves are putting themselves in a spot where they say, you know what, let's not overpay Let's continue to keep the structure of what we're doing here financially. Let's go in with these kids that we definitely believe in. And and you've mentioned all the names here and let's go get Cole Hamill. So the first half of the year, we have somebody that for 15 starts in the first half, we go, you know what, we feel pretty good that this guy can go out there and make those 15 starts. And then you can go out there and flip one or two of these prospects and bring in somebody on the cheap. Or if you have to pay through the nose, you do that. But there's going to be a fair amount of those free agents and those pitchers on the market, as you and I both know, in July, especially those Cleveland guys, potentially. So I think that's what it says to me personally. Does it say the same thing to you that we're out of free agency, but we're going to acquire a pitcher probably sometime in, in the midseason time?
1: Yeah. And, and good job by you by mentioning Soroka. I don't know why he slipped my mind there, but okay. if you think about it, Soroka and uh, Hamels is a one 2 punch and then it's throw bad. in all those young guys in there. Tuki Toussaint is another one as well. Like they I think that they do have enough pitching. I do well. I here are the guys like. right now pitching market free agency, uh, in that you know coming up in the summer
2: uh, Tanaka Paxton. So that's not going to be it. Uh, Marcus year, Stroman. Uh, the yeah, that I'm saying like they would be right. free agents mm-hmm. theoretically. So they no, it's be not a good walk. pitching market. No, it's, it's not a, this a good is pitching the market. Yeah. Trevor Bauer, Robbie Ray, James Paxson, Tanaka, (laughs) Jay Carrietta, uh, Marcus Stroman, Jose Quintana. Now, Quintana might be a guy if you get that guy right. Talk about an enigma. I just I don't understand how he goes from the White Sox to the Cubs. And then guys, the pitcher in baseball falls apart. How's that happen? Yeah,
1: I don't know. know. Uh, But yeah, I think I think the Braves, that's I I think they could add another vet, but it'll be a one year vet. I don't I think they're out of the Bumgarner sweepstakes, which is surprising. I thought that they would have went in on that. But I guess the long term. Because of those young if they, they add him, there. if if they don't, if they go in on Bumgarner and put him
2: Soroka and Hamels, I mean, I think everybody's playing catch up in that division again. You, you, you would think so. You would
1: think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, a trade yesterday, Dylan Bundy dent, uh, dealt to the Angels. This is uh, reminds me a lot of Gossman. I'm hearing, oh, he's going to be great. and know, oh, Bundy's going to be great. I don't know why anybody thinks these guys are going to be great for whatever reason. And this is going back 20 years. Uh, Orioles do not develop, cultivate pitchers. Nope. Never doesn't happen doesn't matter what their skill set is. doesn't matter how good they look. They're not good. We saw it with Gossman. They got rid of him. Wasn't much better. Uh, Dylan Bundy, great. Angels got him for a bunch of prospects. One was, and and honestly, me being a prospect guy also, never heard of any of the guys that they got in return. The 21st best prospect was the highlight, basically going from the Angels to the Baltimore Orioles. The only signal that I get from this, and I get it, Mike Elias is doing the right thing. This is the same role as what Houston did. Years and years, four years of 100 losses, and then another one with 90. I, I, do the Orioles win fifty games? Show like really? Like I don't I mean, know. Man. They, they just they, I'm not. I'm not saying that Bundy was good because he was not. I mean he was getting bombed all year, giving up a bunch of home runs. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan, but no. he was giving you 150 innings. <laughs> like, like like like. Let's not forget about that. Even if the ERA is seven, innings are important in baseball because the bullpen is never going to be as good as the starters. That's why they're in the bullpen. I, John means I guess for ball. I mean this boy. They're Vegas total Joe. I mean. <sighs> 52, you. <laughs> right
2: yeah. Look, I think people wanted to buy into the whole Gossman thing because of the Arietta turnaround. Arietta got dealt from Baltimore and all of a sudden blossomed into a, a guy who helped the Cubs win a World Series. I mean, he was a Cy Young candidate kind of pitcher. He was that good, and then it all just fell apart. But people saw that same potential with Gossman because Gossman was a guy that got flipped back and forth between the rotation, between the bullpen, between AAA, between ups. They they ruined Gossman to a certain extent because developmentally, they did not have enough discipline to just let him take his lumps. And that's all bad on Buck Walter. He should have known better in that scenario that, look what are we doing here let this kid figure it out let him fail let him succeed and just stick with him i think they kind of ruined his confidence to a certain extent and then he's had some injuries ever since uh but with bundy you know how many home runs he's given up in the last two years craig you want to take a, a million guess at that number
1: i would 70. guess 70 70 yeah no he's, he's 41, 41 he's not going
2: to 29 last year 70 home runs i wonder do you think at this point it would be smarter for them to kind of see what
1: they could get out of him maybe as a closer or a high leverage reliever i think that's the role for bundy i don't know A guy that gives up that that many home runs, Joe, is almost never going to be a bullpen guy. Well,
2: but I mean, sometimes guys like this who have high strikeout capability, sometimes when you ask them to go in there and just pitch that one clean inning, they can go out there and do that. And. People always tell you it's always harder to hit the more erratic guys in the ninth inning because everybody's trying to press a little bit and try to get on base. And I've heard a lot of haters talk about that. Well, it's always harder to hit that kind of guy. Whereas you put that guy in the first, you know, four or five innings of a game, you're going to get to him eventually. Whereas you give him three outs and just go out and say, hey, kid, just go throw darts. It's a little tougher. I think Bundy in the bullpen would actually be the way I'd like to see him end up.
1: Yeah, I don't know that they have that plan for him. They really don't have a lot of starting pitching either. So they'll give him a shot, but. I don't I mean, like mean, it's Otani Atini,
2: right? What else do they have right now?
1: They have nothing. They have nothing. Yeah. 15 wins and 30 losses the last two years. But look, 170 innings, 160 innings, 169 innings. And the Orioles are taking that away from their rotation. Oh my gosh. Good luck. <laughs> and uh and finally, just the rumors here, uh Bumgarner, of course, now in the mix for other teams. Uh Hunjin Roo, maybe with Toronto. Wow, Hunjin Roo. I don't know why they would do that, but uh because they don't have anybody like an, to pitch
2: either, dude.
1: <laughs> they don't have they don't they don't have anything. Yeah, they have zero, <laughs> zero pitching, but I I would I, I think they're looking for reliability as opposed to winning. I think the blue jays are probably still two years away from winning, but that's that's at least the that's of the team. That's what made MLB
2: D F S and you know, last year we you know, me and I would just go every time we have these games against these Toronto Pitchers, these Baltimore Pitchers, you just load up. You would just load up on Red Sox, you just load up on Yankees in
1: these individual games and they did not disappoint last year. It was easy money. It really was. Yes. All right, coming up next we'll play a little trust or bust. Back to fantasy football. We go, don't go away.
0: I like fantasy sports today And I like football And I'm going to keep doing them both Because they make me feel good Do you trust me? Trust Do you trust me? Or bust You are so busted
1: And welcome back to fantasy sports today It's time to play a little trust or bust On FST Where we'll throw some names out there For the fantasy football weekend Go game by game And tell you if you can start them this week, meaning you could trust them as a starter. Uh, RB1, RB2, flex, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, flex, starting tight end, starting quarterback. Or maybe if you should look, look for some other options. And let's get started with one of the marquee games of the week. Buffalo against Baltimore. Who would have had that one at the beginning of the year? No question at this point, both teams are headed to the playoffs. But in the fantasy playoffs, John Brown, who's been an absolute beast for the Bills, has a very tough matchup at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Do you trust John Brown to start as a wide receiver two this week, Joe? He does have a tough matchup.
2: Uh, I think what this comes down to is, do I trust Josh Allen? And I do. I actually trust Josh Allen. No, I know he's taking a lot of balls in there himself and all of this. I think the reason why I trust John Brown is because Josh Allen trusts John Brown. And I think when you come to these big time games like this, these guys are going to look for the ones that got him there all year long. Who are the safety blanket guys? Now look, Marcus Peters is in a hell of a job there. This is going to be a tough matchup. But the good thing about John Brown is he's one of these guys that really doesn't have to touch the football a ton to be productive. And I'm hard-pressed to look at the bottom tier of wide receiver and say, oh, yeah, you're going to replace him with Zach Pascal this week. Really? You're going to take John Brown in your lineup for Zach Pascal? I mean, that's a tough sell for me. I'm just not there, and I like Pascal. I think, you know, know, we're going to get to him later on. But who are you taking him out in favor of? Who are you looking at? You're like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to play John Brown. I'm going to play wide receiver X this week. AJ Brown, you know, maybe Uh, AJ Brown has a, yeah, but AJ, here's the thing. A.J. Brown is all or nothing. And if that's the case, you might as well play John Brown. Yeah. Because what if this what if this is the trap game for the Ravens? I look at the Ravens' schedule, and to me, this is the one game where I'm really, you know, it's on the road. It's in Buffalo. It's going to be cold there. You know, crowd's wacky there. This is the one game where I actually think, you know, the Ravens could lose. Outside of that, I think they coast the rest of the season. So we'll see. They've had a lot of high-profile games in a row. This might be a letdown. And if it is, you want John Brown in your lineup.
1: Darius Geis got some nice carries last week in a game that the game script was perfect for him against the Carolina Panthers as they stayed in the whole time. Uh, Joe, for Geis to succeed, I do think that they I, I know that you, you like the his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. Yes, I do think that that is a factor as well. I would be worried if Green Bay went up big on Washington, but look, no one has gone up big on Washington the last couple of weeks. So that being said, Geis is an RB, let's call him an RB2 slash flex at the Packers. 100%.
2: Yep. Love him in DFS this week. We talked about him a little yesterday. Good price on FanDuel. I know we'll get to him a little bit later on the show, too. But I really like this opportunity here for him against the Packers. Packers have given up a lot of points to their running backs lately, too. Just as uh, a trend recently, you can run on the Packers. Don't don't be fooled about that. So for me, uh, it's an absolute trust because either game script you get if they're behind or whatever, or if they're ahead, which I probably doubt is going to happen. Geist is still going to be a focal point of that offense. They know what they have, and he is starting to look really good. Physical, tough runner. And that's always a problem for other teams. No matter how good your defense is, a running back who wants to come out there and make contact with you, that is going to be a long day for Green Bay.
1: George Kittle has been so up and down. And tight end has been a little bit deeper than some people would have thought at this point. Uh, He's got Kittle no longer the number one tight end in fantasy, but he's the guy that can win a league for you. But at the same time, he's he's had some big duds this year. He's at the Saints. Can you trust George Kittle at New Orleans this week? I kind of wonder how many teams are in the playoffs that own George Kittle.
2: Because he's been up and down, because he's missed time and because he cost a probably a third round pick. I, I'm just kind of curious what, you know, I always love to see that. Nobody ever puts that out there. Percentage of guys on teams that are in the playoffs. But that's an interesting one. If Kittle is in there, you're playing Kittle. I mean, you're not taking him out for the Wittens of the world or the Tyler Higbees of the world. You're not doing that. Kittle is too good of a talent. He's too important to what they do. He is their best weapon by far. So give me a trust on Kittle.
1: All right. Uh let's go to Cleveland and Cincinnati, where we got two players here. I'll use two wide receivers. Uh Tyler Boyd at the Browns for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe. Can you trust Boyd as a flex? Let's just use him as a flex this week. Can you trust absolutely. Him, put him in
2: there? With Andy Dalton back? Absolutely. Hundred percent. And they haven't played each other yet. They played each other twice here in the end of the month. Uh, in one month, they play each other. It's kind of a wacky scheduling thing the way that worked out. But I'm all for Tyler Boyd here in this one. He uh, did his Tyler Boyd thing last week with Andy Dalton back, and I'll take it a step further. I think Auden Tate is a is a fringe flex play this week too because in PPR, I'm hard pressed to think he's not going five for sixty.
1: All right. Um, now we go to the enigma of the year, Odell Beckham. <laughs> Odell Beckham, who at some point everyone has predicted a breakout. Like it's it's I mean it's it's it's, it's the right thing to do. I mean eventually. Every person in the fantasy industry has said, this is the week. And and look, and that's fair, because you would have thought that by now (laughs) it would have happened. There are some discussions. Uh, People have looked at Beckham's salary, Joe, and it looks like if Cleveland was to cut him at the end of the season, and I'm talking about a cut, there'd be no penalty whatsoever for them. No dead money. And people are wondering whether or not it could happen. Yeah, the way that the Browns set this up is when they did it. Uh, based on the deal, or based on the Giants deal, he is a cuttable player. Deal. That's what it is. Yeah. Giants deal. Excuse me. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. To think that that and and I'll tell you, I would not rule that out. But let's pretend that that's nonsense for now. Let's just talk it about this on who the coaches next year. Some coach might go in there, and go, you know what? I don't want him. It's possible. It, it, look, he has not been good at all. Beckham
2: versus the Bengals. Trust or bust. Uh, I'm going to say trust because the Bengals are that bad. And two weeks ago, he had a good game with a touchdown. I know last week was a little, you know, but Baker Mayfield got hurt in that game. He was 100 percent. So I, I say trust. You look again, if you're in the playoffs as an Odell Beckham owner, you, you, you probably you, have to
1: play. Him. You've
2: yeah. done a lot of good charity work in your life. Something has gone right for you yep, or all of a sudden true. karma's come your way.
1: Kyle Allen uh, <laughs> would appear on paper to have a great matchup against the Falcons. It would appear on paper. The Falcons defense has gone completely back to what it was before all the nonsense uh, of O'Brien giving up play calling duties, which you'll never hear about ever again. Uh, do you trust him, though, this week uh, at the Falcons to start in a playoff league?
2: Well, this would only be a QB2 situation. And as a QB2 against the Falcons, I can make the case for it, even with the mistakes, because you go back and look at some of these mistake games. He's still throwing for 300 yards in some of these mistake games. So he's still gotten touchdowns. He's still throwing for yardage. The mistakes take you back a little bit. But usually in Superflex, the quarterback is more useful than the wide receiver four that you would put into that Superflex spot. So I'm gonna
1: say trust with a very
2: you know a, a small tiny, team. Tiny
1: team, Yeah, small okay. team. All right, how about Adam Thielen this week against the Lions? The assumption is is that he is coming back after the loss last week, and uh, and Diggs laid a dud last week too. This is this is a tough call for owners as well. Uh, Adam Thielen, Joe, who hasn't played in a while, and when he has played, he came out after in the first play or second play of the game. Do you trust to play him this week as let's say your flex? Would you put him
2: in? That's what worries me. You put him in there and then he came out of a game and it cost you a week. Ugh, that This is really tough. I'm only playing him if I have really nobody else to play. I would even consider the way James Washington has played lately to playing over Thielen because I'm worried about that same thing happening again. He goes out there. So if you don't have any other options when you're in the playoffs, you throw out Adam Thielen if he says he's good enough to go and you hope for the best. But if you have options that are viable this week, if you have options in that other tier of wide receiver where you go, eh, you know what? I've got the Washingtons or this is where Pascal comes into play for me. Like, oh, Pascal's Mm -hmm. got a good matchup. Those guys, I would consider it because you can't take a zero in the playoffs. You just can't do it.
1: Robbie Anderson, about three weeks ago, was left for dead. Bust of a year. Bad receiver. It's not happening. Crowder's the guy. That's completely flipped, Joe. Like, now all of a sudden, Crowder's not getting any work. Like, I mean, who would have thought that would have happened? Now Robbie Anderson is the guy that people drafted as your flex wide receiver, too. Going against the Dolphins this week, Dolphins did give up a lot of points. The Dolphins played much better offensively. Uh, Is Robbie Anderson in line for a game like he had last week? Trust him. Look, he was lineup builder
2: of the week last two weeks in DFS on the DFS Today show for me. And he was lineup we talked about him on this show, too. I think you trust him against the Dolphins. Dolphins don't cover anybody very well. And what's happening is Darnold's evolution a little bit. He's starting to get more confident again. And when you get more confident, you start to throw the ball more downfield. So he is a trust. He's another guy that if I had Thielen or Anderson, I think I feel pretty good about Anderson against the Dolphins. I take my chances, but, you know, that's just where Matt Thielen scares the hell out
1: of me. Zach Pascal at the Bucks. We know the Bucks have had a hard time covering wide He's receivers. Let start him. Yeah. Don't you think? It, yeah. Uh, yeah, without Hilton. Just a matchup play. I mean, you have
2: no, ch- I mean, Hilton's not there. He had 10 targets last week. You got to just throw it out there and see what sticks.
1: DJ Chark against the Chargers. Chark two of the last three weeks has not performed, but he gets back his guy Minshew this week against the L.A. Chargers. You trust him? Yeah, I do. I do trust him against it.
2: Well, you know, Derwin James is back, so there's a little pause. But because I think whatever little pause I would have there, it's a little bit smaller because Minshew's there. And I feel like Minshew, when you go back and look at the target volume between Shark and Minshew as opposed to Foles and Shark, Foles just had that one, one game with Shark. And then the second one in the other quarter or so, the other one was not good, so... Um, I'll take my shot there with DJ. He's had a lot of touchdown
1: upside, and I think that's what you play for in the playoffs. You look for that touchdown upside, and he's got it. Okay. Uh, Kenyon Drake. Boy, everyone said after that first game, you got your best game from Drake. They were right. Yep. <laughs> against the uh, Steelers. Most likely 1-2 to get. <laughs> uh, Steelers this week, though. Um, you know that, that the game script would probably say that Drake will get 20 carries this week. David Johnson's a non-factor against the Steelers. Do you trust him as your flex this week? No, I don't.
2: I don't trust him at all. Steelers defense has played very well. I'll tell you a step further, too. I actually would, you know, there's some of those fringe guys. that I, mean, I would trust Geis more than him, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I would that trust Kareem good. Hunt more than him. Do you, you trust Benny try, I mean, the, Snell
1: on the other side? Yeah. More than him? Uh-huh. Yeah? Absolutely. Okay. Um,
2: all right. Now but, the question is Connor, obviously. that's the Connor's playing, oh, yeah, exactly. Then I don't trust Benny Snell. Right. For sure.
1: Uh right. DK Metcalf at the Rams. All of a sudden, Metcalf has become not just, uh, you know, a wide receiver two in fantasy, but For a few weeks, he's been Russell Wilson's favorite target. We saw what happened with Lockett last week, who, of course, you're playing Lockett this week. Make no mistake about it. The only question is, do you play Metcalf too, Joe?
2: Yeah, I think you do. I think he's a wide receiver three slash flex option there too. I just wish you would, you know, between the drops and the fumbles and things like that, I just wish you would stop making so many mental errors. He's a guy that could have had a much better season. He's had a good rookie season, but he could have had an outstanding rookie season and been in that conversation for rookie of the year without the
1: mistakes. He's had a ton of them, but that was my concern with DK Metcalf coming into the year. But I'll tell you, trust All right, we'll take a quick time out. More DFS discussion on the DraftKings side coming up next. Don't go away.
0: Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24 hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pisapia.
1: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mitch, Joe Pisapia here with you. A lot of you are playing in the fantasy playoffs this week. And if you are not, perhaps you are heading on over to FanDuel or DraftKings to play in the DFS lineups this week, which is probably a pretty good idea if you want to stay active and continue to pay attention to some fantasy football. And uh, Joe, uh, DraftKings, of course, is the full point PPR. So those lineups change a little bit from what we talked about yesterday, which is on the FanDuel side. So when you construct your lineup on your uh, on your DFS show this week, how will that look on the DraftKings side? Will it look much different than the FanDuel? Not much different. There will be some overlap in players because,
2: ironically, some of the pricing is uh, still so valuable on both in terms of ROI, and I think that's always something that you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but you're seeing some overlap there, especially in the wide receiving group. Uh, the one thing, generally speaking, at quarterback is, I think DK, especially in the tournaments, you always want to pay down a little bit. On FanDuel, where touchdowns are everything in the half-point PPR, having that quarterback who can rush in for a touchdown is huge. It's why Josh Allen's been my guy for the last couple, uh, last couple, I would say last two months of Josh Allen's been a huge cog in most of my lineups, but that matters a whole lot more. Whereas DraftKings, you can get by because you want to make sure you make a very heavy investment uh, into the wide receiving pool and the running backs that catch the ball out of the backfield. Those are the guys like when Kareem Hunt came back, we were all in on him because he was very cheap and it just made sense. So that's kind of what you're looking for here. But There is a nice little cushion here. Depending on the health of Baker Mayfield, he's a guy I think that's very much in play when you're talking about quarterbacks this week. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, who we mentioned yesterday, also a very good price. Uh, Tannehill is just 5,800. He's got a good matchup against Oakland. The trend's going very well for him. He is somewhere around that, that low 20s range in terms of projections, which is excellent. But at the same time, Oakland ranked 30th, allowing two Point three passing touchdowns in the last nine games that's a lot of passing touchdowns there that's a high number as an average for nine games you don't see it usually it's like 1.8 something like that 2.3 is pretty high and they're also ranked 23rd in terms of passing yards allowed over that time so they're giving up 269 so even though it's derrick henry season ryan tannehill is going to have a field day there plus he is uh going around and and running the football as well tom brady also very much in play at 61 Uh, i would not pay up for those high price guys there, like the uh Patrick Mahomes and the Lamar Jackson's of the world. I just think it's difficult. Uh, but I know we kind of talked about this earlier when I give you these numbers on Tannehill and give you these numbers on the Raiders. Does this impact how you felt about the, the team that's favored quote unquote because I know you are very pro Raider earlier
1: in the show. Yeah, I, I think that Tannehill can still throw. I mean, if, if you're asking me, will Tannehill have 200 yards and two touchdowns? I think the answer is yes. Uh, the question you would have to determine for me because if I told you that those were the numbers and I added an interception or two, would you still feel good about that? And if you would, then yeah, then I think that you still play Tannehill because I think okay. those, those, that will be his numbers this week. And if I if I had to guess, by the way, uh, why Camara in this one as opposed to the other one is because PPR.
2: It's because it's the full point PPR and also because Camara's salary is kind of surprisingly under. Whereas on FanDuel, it's still a pretty high number. The intriguing part is you look at Camara and you go, OK, what's the price on Camara? It's only seven K opposed to you, you're paying in the high eights. For a guy like Dalvin Cook, who has an injury right now, you're paying 11 for a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who has a great matchup. But that becomes very difficult because then you have to basically have McCaffrey perform at very minimum awesome to transcendent in order to really pull the rest of the lineup with him because you're Mm -hmm. taking so many shots. Uh, But Alvin Kamara fits in there perfectly. And when you look at the ownership potentially being down the situation where you look at the fantasy points going to running back lately against the 49ers has been a very good trend. Right. And for, and also in terms of game plan, 49ers are what? Very aggressive. What does that mean? Lots of quick passes. Who catches quick passes? Alvin Kamara. So that all kind of fits together. James White's another running back. Great value. He's getting a ton of red zone targets. We talked about him. He is an overlap guy. Um, and Darius Geis, another running back, very much a part of this. Now, you're getting a discount on certain running backs because of style. Bo Scarborough hasn't caught a lot of footballs, but Matt Stafford, hopefully, could be back for this one. You uh, we were talking about running backs like Derrick Henry, even, who was very yeah. expensive on the other side because he's been so good and so touchdown ready. But on DK, you're getting a little bit of a discount. That's not a bad thing. Those guys are still in play. And I feel like sometimes people say, oh, well, they don't catch the football, so I don't want them. It doesn't matter. Derrick Henry still dropping 25, 28 points on a weekly basis. Don't dismiss those guys just because they don't catch the football. That is a bit of a trap that people fall into when they're playing DK. So uh, do you believe that you get some carryover here in this game against the Chiefs with James White and the uh, Patriots at home? Yeah, I I will. buy into
1: what you saw at the end of that fourth quarter? Yeah, I do. I think New England will play better offensively. It seems like every year this happens with the Patriots where there's a game or two that they don't look that great and then they come back firing Uh, again. last year. I I, I think every year. I, mm-hmm. I think that this would be a panic button for me because the, the Patriots have always done this, but it has not gotten to like DEFCON five level, which would be if they would if not, if they would lose to Kansas City, because anything can happen in any week in the NFL. That would not freak me out. But if the Chiefs beat the, the uh, Patriots this week, like, for example, if the Chiefs had the same if the, if the Patriots played exactly the same way against Kansas City then they played like against Houston, like if Casey goes up twenty one three. And then in the end, the final score is 31 23. I would be worried at that point. I would say, wow, like, what in the world's going on here? Like, they basically need that catch up time in order to get right. Um, but again, we'll see how, how the game ends up working. Yeah, I would use um, yeah, Patriots for sure in this game. The uh, question that I have for you, and, and Rudolph makes sense in this lineup, too, because he's, he's touchdown dependent, but without a healthy cook, especially near the goal line, I think that's a great call. Mm-hmm. Why the Redskins, D? Why the Redskins do this? Uh, one. I'm curious on that price. one. Price, 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 price. So we'll jump there. We'll jump down there
2: for a second because. Yeah, because that's, the, that's the one that is like staring at okay. me going. Most, like, most defenses cost around $3,500 somewhere in that. You know, that's like the average defensive price, something in that range. You know, give or take. You know, you could go up to the board and pay 42 for the top defense and you're going to go down. But DK has done something this year they've never done, which is recently. And, and Chris Meany and I have been on this and we've actually used this very team. And we've had all kinds of success doing this. Certain lineups, certain opportunities, certain weeks, it makes sense to do this because the Redskins are just seventeen hundred dollars. So the min salary, like the bottom, you want to go for an offensive player is like four thousand, right? So you're talking about you go down at seventeen. All you need from them is seven points, something around there. You know that's not that's not asking too much for any defense to get on a weekly basis. But I'll tell you what: Mm -hmm. last two weeks, Redskins twenty-one points, eleven points, and it was against Carolina and Detroit. Yeah, okay, it's not Green Bay, certainly not, but. You're looking at some of these other weeks where they were the same price eight points against San Francisco. We used them that week. Uh, 10 points against Miami. We used them that week. Nine points against the Giants. We used them that week. So we're picking and choosing because this is a time of year where offenses start to really kind of bubble up because defenses tend to quit. So this is very tricky, but it's a situation where I think the Redskins are in play. Now, not that the only one in play, Steelers are a really good value. But in this particular lineup, I'm just showing that if you go down, there you can pay up at wide receiver for the volume the volume of Jarvis Landry the volume of Michael Thomas the volume of DJ Moore Julian Edelman these guys who you know are going to see double digit targets in these games who you know have touchdown upside who you know are integral parts of their offenses and that's where the Redskins come into play this particular week and i know today on the show when we record it, we're going to talk about that too but that's why it's not like oh the Redskins are so great but can the Redskins get you half a dozen points at a at a 1.7 value of course they can. anything possible. Yeah, that's possible. What you need. Yeah, no, and course. that's it. I don't,
1: I don't rule that out. And it's yeah. one of
2: these things that's new, and a lot of people are afraid to do it. One more running back I want to mention too, because it is DK okay. is Patrick Laird. Now I'm not a big fan of his. In terms oh of Laird, the football, I love Laird. the Dolphin. But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know how many points he put up last week in football? I know, I
1: watched, yeah, of course. 17. Yeah, he scored oh. a touch. He, I mean, he basically runs into walls, but... I mean, he runs
2: he... into walls, but he also catches the football. That's the key. Also, and that's mm-hmm. the key. So, he, is he a great player?
1: No. Is he
2: a lineup builder? Absolutely. Let's say you don't want to go Redskins D, but you want to get right. somebody in a flex who's super cheap. Patrick Laird, it's, I'm hard-pressed for him not to see double digits. With the, Kalen Balaj done with them out of options, yeah, the Jets are pretty good against the run, but you know what? He's throwing the, he's catching the football, and that's all that matters. As long as he's catching the football, I don't need him to put up 17. But if he just puts up 12, that's a three times value for Patrick Laird, and that's a
1: good return on investment. All right. I want to get to injuries here a second. So let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's re ask this question about the Dolphins here for a minute. Okay. Because you, me, and the world going into the season was were, were unsure as to how many games the Dolphins would win. Then after they traded, Tunsil (laughs) traded Fitzpatrick and they did everything holding a ticket Joe after week one of the NFL season after you saw what you saw and I told you that I had a significant wager on Dolphins under five wins you would have said cash it now you don't have to worry take it to the window buy your wife a present it's done Dolphins aren't winning a game all year if they get lucky maybe they win one let me ask you that question again now am I should I be worried here (laughs) am I gonna lose my money
0: am I gonna lose it Am I yeah. right? Oh, and let okay. me tell
1: you something. We had the option of doing this at four and a half. And um, me and a buddy did it, right? And he was like, yeah, we're probably good with four and a half anyway. Let's just do four and a half. I'm like, listen, anything can happen in the NFL. Let's just take the extra half and pay minus 130 on it and do five. Like, let, Let's just do it. You never know. And he was like, ah, they're never what are they going to win? One game, two. Come on. They're not winning three. I'm like, listen, just do it. Just put the five, put a little extra juice. Let's just buy some insurance there just in case. And after week one, he was like, ah, "I told you, I told." i like, "Yeah, you're right. I was stupid. We shouldn't have done that. We paid a little extra juice." Are the Dolphins going to win six bleeping games? Is this going to happen?
2: This is the big one here because if they lose to the Jets on the road, and look, I think the best thing that could have happened for you for their bet. Was the Jets getting absolutely pwned last week in Cincinnati?
1: I agree 100. percent If they would have won that the, one, this could have been a letdown. That, I, I gotta believe really the Jets are gonna mind. win the game. They may not cover, right? <laughs> they, may not cover, right? <laughs> they may not cover, but they're gonna beat Miami, right? You would hope.
2: <laughs> you would hope because if this was in Miami, I might feel differently.
1: But I'm okay.
2: I'm so let's say, assume.
1: Let's assume, please. Let's for assume me, you beat the Jets. One.
2: Then you have the Giants again. What's funny is you might know this. I don't. Is Miami just staying because they're playing the Jets and Giants back to back
1: weeks? I assume. Oh, they're not traveling back. Oh, you going to come back. back? Oh, it's, a, it's a three hour. No, it's a three hour flight. That's yeah. nothing. They come home for sure. Let's move on. So let's right. look let, Giant. Um, That game's in New York. I thought, yeah, it is in New York. That's
2: yeah, right. I'm looking at the schedule right now. OK, Jets, okay. Giants, so, back so we back. have
1: to assume that they're going to split between Cincinnati and and the Giants. Right. So that's four.
2: You know, they're going to lose the last one because they're in New England week 17. So there's so, a well, up. of my safe. One. Well, you're if the Jets win. If the right. Jets beat them this week, I think you're. Right. I think you breathe a big sigh. This is the one. Yeah, this. Is I think the it's one. asking yeah. a lot for them to win back-to-back games against the Giants and Bengals, especially with now that there's two things working in your favor. Number one is the Jets getting absolutely trounced last week, and the other one is Andy Dalton back at quarterback because Andy Dalton's capable. If Ryan and Finley's it's also really good by
1: the way very that very Cincinnati worried. won last week too because yes. they, they would right that was there's that, only that so many of,
2: wins in their bucket, dude.
1: <laughs> right? But there also shows you that they're trying a little bit. But yeah, I'm yes. definitely nervous. All right, uh, John Lobb joins us uh, early every show. Go back and listen on demand if you want to hear the conversation conversation that we had about college football but coming up next we dive into Thursday nights NFL game don't go away
0: Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast Sports will provide you with real-time content statistics and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia.
1: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports. Today, Dr. Roto is standing by. Full-time fantasy is coming up here at the top of the hour. And, Joe, we're going to have a preview of the Thursday night football game real quick. Let's go over a couple of injuries in the NFL before we do that. Uh, Darrell Williams earlier this morning. uh, Joe placed on injured reserve, so that ends his season. Uh, Kansas City running back situation is definitely cloudy again, although I would assume if Damian Williams is healthy, he will play. Darwin Thompson finally played. Shady McCoy is finally there. Are we in agreement? And just by saying, at least for this week, do not play a KC running back Fair?
2: Uh, it's fair. I mean, I feel like Lashawn McCoy is probably going to fall in the end zone. And I don't know if you want to take what you saw last week from Darwin Thompson and roll it over. So if you can avoid it, you should. I think that's probably the best uh, practice for this week.
1: Yeah, I think so. And then uh, do you think that the Vinatieri era has come to an end? They signed another kicker. Uh, he's questionable this, that maybe this is their way of doing this, the kind way to him. By I by putting so. him on, on the injury report. I mean, the Colts have uh, the Colts would not have won or covered last week against Tennessee. But I, there's been at least two games where they would have had, had been not up in the kicker, I think. So I would assume that they'll give this uh, McLaughlin, I believe it is, uh, a chance to kick the rest of the season. Does that sound fair?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think he wanted to kind of call quits early on. And I think from a leadership standpoint, they were like, look, we, we can't keep losing everybody here. So, you know, even though he's just a kicker, he's a leader. I know it's a crazy thing. You don't get that around very often, but he's a clubhouse guy. And I don't think they wanted to lose him, but I think Vinatieri's career is done. Last year, he showed a lot of wear and tear. He was not good in the playoffs last year. It carried over into this year, but he's a Hall of Famer. He's the best clutch kicker I ever saw in my lifetime. And uh, I don't think there's ever been a kicker that's won more Super Bowls with that leg than that guy. And uh, he should be, a, I don't know if will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but like you said, five guys get in every year. Vinatari is going to definitely have a bust in Canton for sure.
1: All right. So Thursday night football tonight Cowboys minus three against the Bears. Uh, I'll take the under 43.5. Do you want to take a side or a total here at all? In, in any, any interest before we move on from this? Uh, I'll take the under as well. How about okay. that? All right, let's move on to the over-unders for the uh, the statistics, uh, the player props here. And these are courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook, by the way. Let's start off with Dak Prescott tonight, 273 yards, over-under, Joe, on this one.
2: Uh, considering the trend of where Dak's been, I'm going to go over, but not by much. But I do think he'll clear the 273. He's cleared it pretty much every week except. Pretty once. much every week, I feel like this. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to throw for three hundred and thirty yards in this game necessarily, and I, but I mean two eighty, two ninety certainly isn't within his realm considering the track record so far. And yeah. considering the Bears haven't been that
1: impressive. Ironically, if he goes over this total, they probably lose, right? <laughs> right. I hate to say it, 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 but it feels like that. Yeah, you might
2: be right. It it does. If he throws like for three
1: fifty. I think they're going to lose. no God. You're All right, right. Trubisky two thirty six and a half. I'm going to go, man. What Do
2: you remember what he had last week? I can't remember what that number was. for him. Was I, don't around.
1: Know. I don't know, but going over on Prescott and Trubisky means the total is going over. Yeah, too. well, I'm going to go under on Trubisky. That's, I gotta, that's where I was leaning, so sense. I'm going to go.
2: I just don't love that defense. I don't love the Cowboys defense, man. But I'll go under on Trubisky. All right, Zeke, 84 and a half yards. I want to go under because I think He'll have a little less rushing, but he'll catch the ball, and he'll still have his all-purpose over 100. But I'm going to say a little lesser on the rushing today for him. This has not been an impressive year for him. It really hasn't. I don't know if it was because he didn't have training camp. I don't know if it's because he got paid. Now he's taking the foot off the gas. I don't know if it's the line isn't quite as good as it used to be a couple of years ago. I don't. I don't know what the answer is, but you're right. He has not been a number one overall consensus conversation nope. running back to me this year.
1: No, he won't be the first, second, or third pick, I think, in fantasy next year. I don't, I don't think he, he should be either. Yeah. I would take Thomas number two still. I'm still sticking with that. David Montgomery's total is 60 and a half. I would have under. to go under. Yeah, I would just have to go under. <laughs> I, just, I cannot go under. On this guy. under. Yeah, yeah he just hasn't shown enough to go over. He could, but he just hasn't shown enough. Well, any, anything Russell,
2: could, but unders, I mean, that's definitely the smart play here. You're, if you're looking I mean, at if the, he gets 13
1: carries in this game or 14, is he going to get five yards a carry? I don't think so.
2: What's the weirdest part is I feel like he can get nine carries and go over it or he'll get 22 and go under it. It's just the weirdest. Right, I, I, true, I, there's yeah. no telling. I think you look at the longer piece here. You play the long game. and He's a under
1: Allen Robinson at 67 and a half
2: over because he's the only guy that I trust in this offense, and He's the only guy Trubisky trusts too. So he's probably in that 75 80 something range. So I'm going to say
1: over Anthony Miller is starting to come on here. Finally took <sighs> he two is. years, but I'm hoping next year in my dynasty league that the, that he's he's a player. I this was my favorite player coming out of the draft. I know I you love you some monster. Anthony Miller. I know but it didn't happen until now. I'm hope I'm hopeful next year. 53 and a half though for him.
2: I'm going to go over Not by much. I think he clears the 50 range. I really do. I I feel like and this is another guy, too, who can do it in a big play. And I feel like the big play guys, when you do these prop bets, they're the fascinating ones, because, you know, Anthony Miller can catch one ball for 40 yards and all of a sudden, boom, he's basically going to clear
1: this number. So I'm going to go with that thought process and go over. Yeah, he's a great route runner. He gets more separation than virtually anybody in the NFL, but he drops the ball and he also commits dumb penalties a lot. Uh, Amari Cooper's number is 69 and a half. He is, uh, slowed down significantly over the last couple of weeks, but you know, at any time this guy could bust out for a huge game, but, uh, 69 and a half is his total.
2: Well, he's had some tough matchups there. Cause he had to play in the rain against Stefan Gilmore, which was not a good look for him. And then he had to play against the Buffalo secondary, which is really good. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to say over, I think this is Amari Cooper reminding everybody how good he's been and why. I the mean, last, couple of weeks for him were not great obviously thanksgiving you know short week and all that too but uh, tough tough matchups the last two weeks so i'm going to go with cooper and go the over yeah, I mean, he's a borderline first round pick next year i think
1: if he he'll be at
2: the, he'll be somewhere in the early second round i don't yeah. think i can get there i don't want to build my team on amari cooper but he's certainly a guy is a, a second round pick i think you feel pretty good about him as your number one wide out.
1: tariq cohen's rushing and receiving yards total is 43 and a half it's a good number um. because I
2: hate Montgomery. I'm going to go over <laughs> if I don't like Montgomery. Somebody's got to do something, I guess. I guess. But 43, that's not very high. Right. I mean, 20 and 20 He hasn't
1: done much the last few weeks. So I uh, mean, he, he hasn't he hasn't run the ball. I don't think at all. So that's part of it, I guess. I don't know. It's
2: so you're going to go under on this one. Yeah, I probably will. Yeah, and that's the all purpose that worries me with him.
1: Michael Gallup, 63 and a half. I'm going to go under. He had he's had a couple of big games, but yeah, you would. If assume I like it, Cooper, though, I Cooper can't game. like help. Yeah, right? you can't. No, it no, doesn't make then. sense. Yeah. Cobb 45 and a half. What a strange year this guy's had. He like shows up in big moments and, and you don't hear about him for the rest of the game. It's weird. Yeah, it's I feel like I,
2: if I'm going to go over with Dak, I got to go over it with somebody else. So I'm going to go over with Cobb. How about Witten? You want to throw a dart on this one? 26 and a half. Nunder. Yeah, don't, don't trust know. it. Don't trust it right now. Not what Jarwin's He's, he's done now. a lot better than I thought. He has. He is the right year. there. He is right in that conversation of he is tight end one streaming on every bye week. And I, honestly, that flex team that I have where it's me and Ronis who have first round buys in the playoffs mm-hmm. on flex. We uh, neither of us have great tight ends, but I played Jason Witten up until he had the bye. And then I dropped him and I was seven and oh or eight. No, it's you know, he was a guy you could just put out there and he was just OK. He was OK enough.
1: Allen Robinson rece- uh, receptions, five and a half. I'm going to go
2: over. I like that whole right seven there.
1: for 77 Robinson line. That's like his favorite number. And then uh, Cobb, uh, his receptions are at three and a half. I threw this one in there. I'm going to go over in this one.
2: You know, I think he's going to work. I, if I'm off Gallup, I got to be on Cobb. And if I said over on Cobb, I'm going to give him a little bit. Maybe he's in that five for 50 something or five for 55 tonight. You know, get some quick slants to him over there in the slot. I think I think there's some room for Cobb, and I didn't think Cobb would ever be fantasy relevant. I really didn't. But he uh, in the second half of the season, he's shown up, and they and they've looked to him too. But man, this is one of the weirdest games. You almost have to watch this just like it's like a almost like a car wreck. You're just watching it to see you know what's. what's
1: I the agree. I don't. I don't think do. any. Any. I don't think anybody can t- say with conviction. You can have. A, everyone should predict. If you know, if you want to have a prediction, you can. But. To have a strong a cowboy con- fan to watch this, yeah, I mean, you 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 have the division sitting in front of you almost with this game. Really, like you win this game and you beat Philly, you win the division. That's it. I mean, that's that's all it's going to require. And there's a bunch of games left. They don't need to win them all. They just need to like win that's this every one week.
2: It's always like, okay, okay, Cowboys, win this game, be Philly. All right, you lost. Okay, all right, win this game and be Philly. Well, Philly keeps, yeah. Philly keeps uh, losing. Philly keeps losing. But so does the Cowboys, and that's what I'm trying. Like, he's trying to wrap my mind around it. It's just
1: yeah, it's and brutal. and I'll tell you the reason why I'm scared of the Bears in this one too is because of that game against Philly.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: no, that makes when, sense. When, when Philadelphia, at, you know, and I'm not a guy that goes back and says, "Oh, well, this team did this because this or this," but Philadelphia lo- made the, the Bears look so bad, and especially that first half. They didn't score, so how can I side with the Bears? Even like, I I I, I don't like the Bears at all. Like, I think the Cowboys are better, but all it will require is Prescott with a fumble, you know, and, and, and one and special just, teams play, you know, yeah, like, and right. then Dallas wins and they're thrilled. You know, listen, Dallas comes out of this with a one point win. They're jumping for joy. I mean, that's, that's you know, it's thing. funny when we're talking about this
2: East division here. Everybody was talking about how well the Patriots play the NFC East and they're going to really benefit from that. And they did. But so have the Buffalo Bills. Let's let's be honest. They have absolutely benefited from playing. The Giants from playing the you know, when you go through and you, you have that that loop where you go through there, they've absolutely benefited to playing the Cowboys. They beat them. So, you know, they're
1: not the only team in the
2: AFC East right. that's benefited from the schedule this year.
1: I'll tell you, I would just from a fan point of view, and, and I'll probably end up taking Buffalo in the points this week, too. So I'll be transparent with that. But from a fan point of view, how great would it be for Buffalo to beat uh, Baltimore? Right, like that would make. I think you it's going to happen. I really, I'm, I'm telling but you, that, that would is, make you think, wow, we're going into the playoffs, not knowing, like, like, because if Baltimore right. crushes Buffalo, you'll be like, all right, okay, it's New it's England. Like, and, wow, it's, they're, it's they're New England probably or nobody else is one a, yeah, 1A. yeah, they, yeah they just, it's going to no require New England or Kansas City. But if Buffalo was to win, you go in there thinking, wow, like anybody in the AFC, probably anybody in the NFC too. It could be, it could be San Francisco. It could be, uh. New Orleans no matter what happens in this game but Baltimore's played so much better than everybody else that to knock to get them a little knocked down would create some parity I think that would be great if it would Well think about wasn't. these games this run that they've had I mean they they had to play the Seahawks
2: that was a huge game for them then they played the Patriots of course then you know you have the easy one against the Bengals but then the Texans was kind of a big game you know, a lot of people are like, OK, here we go. Texans and Ravens. And they just destroyed them. I know they destroyed the Rams. OK, here come the 49ers.
1: They that was a lot closer. That was a close game. That was, that a, was close a close guy. I felt like if that went one more quarter, San Francisco would have won. <laughs>
2: you might not be wrong. And there might be something to the whole effect of the weather really changing the, the profile of how that game played. I out. think
1: they figured out Jackson a little bit there in the second half. I,
2: I, I think the Patriots did too. go back and watch the second half of that game. the The Patriots had a game plan going in there for Lamar Jackson and it was the wrong one. And then the you know Belichick does what Belichick does, which is nobody makes better adjustments, but by that time the offense of the Patriots, what, you know, they had some opportunities because they had the ball in the second half to start that game and they were driving and driving and then it ended up not getting the touchdown there. But I will tell you what, if they went in there with the proper game plan, they went in there in the second half and the first half, that might be a bit, a different discussion we're having too. I think this is the game here. If if they're going to they're not going to lose to the Jets, Browns or Steelers. But I do think this is that game in Buffalo where I think they might be a little tired. Does that make sense too? like a little fatigue? Look, I, I, I big could game, not big think game, Baltimore. Big
1: it would be Buffalo for me or nothing. But by the way, um, have the Patriots been have and I, we'll have to go back and look. Maybe we'll talk about this next week. In your recollection, have the Patriots ever been underdogs in the AFC championship?
2: Hmm. Well, I think last year they were against uh, Kansas City. They were underdogs. Yeah. Yeah, because it was in Kansas City. They were underdogs. Oh, well, well there you go. So there you go. No, I'm. I'm <laughs> that call by positive. me. We'll, we'll have to go back all the way to last year. All the way to a year ago today. No, I, I, okay, I, still there. I'm yeah. almost positive of that because Chiefs were rolling high. Patriots were, that was the whole narrative. Oh, well, look at They kind of backdoored their way. They played crappy. They lost to Miami, all that stuff. But the Chiefs were juggernaut. Chiefs at home. They were definitely not. I don't think it was a huge number. It was less than three. But... Uh, The Chiefs were definitely favored last year in that AFC championship game. That's for sure.
1: Okay. All right. uh, Coming up next, it's time for a little rant as we have our two-minute drill, the Mets being the Mets. Joe Pizipia has that next time.
0: Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe
1: Pisapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We wrap it up here on this Thursday as we get ready for Thursday Night Football. We've done some baseball. We've done some football. We've done Florida, man. Our week is coming to an end tomorrow. Joe's week on this show is coming to an end today. And boy, does he have a lot to talk about. Let's end it with the two-minute drill presented by Joe Pizzapia. The
0: two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your together. Is that
1: going to be enough time?
2: As a Met fan, life is hard. As a Met fan, you get teased with a lot of things only to get punched in the face and reminded that you're a second-class citizen. All I wanted for Christmas this year was new ownership. I refused to go to the building to watch the team because I frankly just hate the Wilpons. They've ruined my favorite thing, which is the Mets. And then a little story leaked last uh, yesterday, and all of a sudden there was an opportunity where the Mets were gonna sell the team. No, that can't possibly be true, but wait, they are. It's true, they are, but when? Five years from now, well, how does that work? Wait, do you mean, Fred Wilpon's still CEO and his son's still working there too, but this other guy's gonna come in and own more of the team, so who's paying who? How does this work? I don't know, all I know is, that Steve Cohn's a huge Mets fan from Long Island. And if there's any chance of this guy being the guy that holds the purse strings this season and the next few years coming up, maybe just maybe I can hope again. But I don't know. All I can feel is I'm getting dragged along for the
1: ride, and I am just unhappy, and there's cold in my stocking yet again. Mets being the Mets, man. Interesting stuff. Although at least there is some optimism there that... Uh, guys got money. With the Wilpons <laughs> being out, I mean... I mean, honestly, like it may not be what you think it's going to be, but maybe it's a little better. And you know what? As Mr. Rogers would say in the movie, that's OK. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for the show. Uh, thanks again all week to uh, Joe for doing this program. Uh, by the way, Joe will be with us next week uh, from yeah, San Diego. He will be with he us is. here on the show. He'll <laughs> give you the fantasy aspect of a lot of the reality moves. And of course, I will, too, uh, along with Bernie Plestoff. But uh, I'll be back with you on the show tomorrow. Uh, Jamie Eisenberg will be with us. We will cap off our week and and the fantasy football week. And as we get closer to the end of the uh, complete fantasy football season, we'll recap tonight's game and go over the weekend games for Joe and our producer, Sean Glastamachia. I'm Craig Mish full time fantasies. Next. I will talk to you tomorrow at noon. Have a great Thursday night, everybody. See ya.